Amen. Open your Bibles to Acts 27. Acts chapter 27. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, our world is in a mess right now. There's turmoil all over the globe, and we watch what's going on, and we see your people, Israel, in conflict with all of their neighbors and with many of their neighbors. And Lord, we just wonder what in the world is going on, what's going to happen. Lord, in the Ukraine and then in, in Iraq and in Libya and Syria, Egypt, all of these things that we see, these struggles, this turmoil that's going on. Lord, sometimes we wonder, is there any hope in this world? Well, this text helps us to see that. Lord, help us this morning to have a good understanding of what our role in this world is. In Jesus' name, amen. Our theme that we have been talking about is engage. Engage in our text in the book of Ephesians, what it says is the whole body fitly joined together. And if you look at the cogs there, the cogs will not turn unless they're joined together, unless they are fitly joined together. When all of us do our part, then the whole machine works. God's plan for this world is for the New Testament church to have an impact on it. Amen? That's what we are supposed to be. How many of you have watched the news this week? You've watched the news. Isn't the world doing great? Isn't that exciting to see what's going on? It's, you, know, the, you see our, our embassy in Libya now being evacuated. and Just these wars going on all over the place, things that aren't being reported. Things like uh, the Christians being persecuted by ISIS. Uh, they're, you, they're, in Mosul, a year ago, there were 60,000 Christians in Mosul. Now, we understand that not all of them were born-again Christians, but people that would not be Muslim. Today, they're zero None. And as they're on foot because ISIS is taking away their cars, taking away their phones, and they, they're in these long uh, groups marching to the north to try and make it to Kurd-held territories, ISIS is attacking them and taking their food, taking their water. That's what's going on right now, right as you are sitting in your seat. That's what's happening today. And you look at the world and you look at what's going on in Israel and, and Gaza and the, the way that the news reports it, um, it, it's just unbelievable. Imagine, just imagine, if Dayton started shooting missiles into Sydney. That's what it's like. Even closer. That's what it's like. Uh, someone said, imagine if New Jersey was bombing Manhattan. What would they do? Well, in the United States, if New Jersey was another country they would go and level New Jersey. Is that right? That's what we do. And yet when that happens, well, then Israel, they're, they're just being destroyed in the media. Now, I will say this. It's awful for those children to die in Palestine. And it's cowardly for Hamas to fire missiles from schools and from hospitals. Is that right? And it's just, it's amazing when you look at what's going on in the world. You can step back and you can say, is there really any hope for the world? Well, this text in in Acts chapter 27, this gives us a good understanding of what we are supposed to do. And as Christians, how are we going to engage the world? So we're going to start reading in verse 1. We're going to read a significant portion of this chapter. And so I'm going to ask you to give it your attention. Have a Bible in your hand to give it your attention. Don't let your mind wander. How many of you are having a hard time staying awake already? 
All right? So give it your attention. Give it your focus. Look at what the Scriptures say. Acts chapter 27, verse 1. And when it was determined that we should sail uh, into Italy, so the we is Luke, the Apostle Luke, and the Apostle Paul. When it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. And entering into a ship of Adramidium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coasts of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul, and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. And when, he had launched from thence, and when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia, of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of, the Alexandria, of Alexandria sailing into Italy. And he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come, up, were come over against Sinaitis, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete, over against Salamone. And hardly passing, it came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was a city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. Now look at this. The, they've, they've been sailing. They've not come very far. They stopped in a place called Fair Havens, and they just... It sounds like a nursing home, doesn't it? And they, they, they stopped, and they, they stayed there too long. Now it's going to be dangerous to sail. So the Apostle Paul stands up, and he says unto them in verse 10, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Now this is what the Christian has done throughout the last 2,000 years. We stood up and we've tried to tell governments, this is the way that you ought to behave. We stood up and we've tried to tell cities and civilizations, this is the way that you ought to behave. And often, most often, we're ignored. Is that right? Which leads to great destruction, not only of property, but also of lives. Verse 11, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Isn't that a perfect picture of the world today? They, they follow the markets more than they follow the ministers. They follow the economy more than they follow God's messengers and God's word. Is that the world that we live in today? It's very clear that's where we are. Now, look what it says in verse 12. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain Phoenice and there to winter, which is an haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon. Now we call it Hugo or whatever, all right? Then look at what it says. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship. And so this is what the world does. When the world gets in trouble, it looks for helps, and they find all kinds of helps other than what God had told them to do. 
Isn't this exactly what people do? And it's so interesting. You'll watch people. They'll get into trouble in their lives. And they, so, so their answer is, we're going to go to AA. We're going to go to some kind of a, a counselor. We're going to go to a psychotherapist. And most, what they don't know is those counselors and those psychotherapists are in worse shape than they are. The suicide rate among psychiatrists is higher than the rest of the population. Well, what's it said? Uh, neurotics build castles in the sky. Psychotics live in the castles and psychiatrists charge the rent. <laughs> and when people go to the world looking for helps and helps and helps, and it doesn't help. Look, look at what happens here in the text. The Bible says, verse 17, And when they had taken up, they used helps, undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake sail, and so were driven. And we, being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. Now here's what people do. Things get in trouble. Let's start throwing away the fat. Let's, let's get rid of things in our lives. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop doing this. But it doesn't correct the problem. Now in the individual, the problem is sin. We need a Savior. Isn't that right? You want to have a good life? Get saved. You want to have a good life, get saved, and then follow the Word of God and do what God tells you with your life, and you'll have a great life. Young people, I want you to know this. I said to you all the time, I have a great life. I have a fantastic life. I want you to have a life like I have. I want you to have a life like Laura has. I want you all to have the same kind of life that we do. That happens when you are obedient to the Word of God and you, you attempt to live for Him. You're going to fall. You're going to make mistakes. We all do. But when you're... you're towardness, as Dave McCracken would say, when you, the direction that you're going is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Life is good. And the adults said, Amen. Amen. And yet, what the world does, I'm going to get rid of this. I know what will make me happy. I'm going to lose weight. I know what will make me happy. I'm going to stop smoking. I know what will make me happy. I'm going to stop eating meat. I promise you, that will not make you happy. <laughs> I think it was at one of the camps, the, the speaker was talking about how he had flown into... Uh, to Denver. At the airport in Denver, he saw all these people. They were miserable. And they're, they're, they're eating grass. You know, he got back to... He flew, then he flew into Atlanta and everybody's eating Chick-fil-A and they're, they're just happy as can be. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> all right. So isn't it true? Think of your own example of things that, are peop that people are trying to do to be happy. All over the world, the things that are going to bring peace... Huh. Isn't it interesting? Our president and the others that, that follow his political thinking, they think the thing that's going to bring peace is revolution. Isn't that interesting? How's that working out in Libya? Then look at what it says. And we, verse 18, and we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. They lost weight. And the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Now they're starting to throw away stuff that's important. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. What do you do when there's no hope in the world? Remember what they had to do. They would guide by, they, they would guide by the sun and the stars. That's how they would navigate. Well, now there's no, there's no map, there's no navigation, there's no, there's no way to have direction. Um, uh, Eric Kindig is a pilot, 
And there's different ways that you can fly. You can fly visual rules. You can fly with instruments. You can fly with instruments. Um, Eric, what happens if you don't have either one? You're in trouble, aren't you? <laughs> You're in big trouble. If you can't see the stars, if you can't see your instruments, if you can't see outside the plane, do you know what's going to happen? And this is what they say. You'll be flying upside down and don't even know it. You don't have any idea what you're doing. Why? Because your body, your senses will lie to you. And so now here they are. They're in the middle of the ocean. They haven't listened to the man of God. They're, they're throwing away. They're lightening the ship. Then they're throwing away things that are important. And there's still no hope in the world. There's no hope of being saved. You understand that's the situation this world is in right now. Let's look at God's answer. God's answer. How that we as believers should engage this world that has lost all hope of being saved. Look at what the Bible says in verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. The first thing that I want you to see is there's hope when a Christian will take a stand. There's hope when a Christian will take a stand. Paul told them the truth and then he just sat back. He just sat there. He waited. After long abstinence, he let them row. He let them uh, throw away and lighten the ship. He let them try and help the ship. He let them throw out the tackling of the ship. And he just sat and listened to it. When they had given up everything that they thought was good, Paul stood up and he said what the preacher always says. I told you so. I told you that if you had kept down this track, that you were going to be destroyed. And it's so interesting that in today's culture and in Christianity, that part of the message is left out. The message that's given now is, God wants to have a relationship with you. Will you let God be your friend? Is that biblical repentance? No, God wants you to be, God wants to be your friend. Jesus will be your friend when you repent of your sin. Look, I have told you that if you head down this path, it will lead to destruction. The only way that you can get right is to turn, repent, turn toward Jesus Christ and follow him. That is the message. There's hope when a Christian will take a stand and give the right message. Confront the sin. Confront the error. Tell the truth. Amen? Now, let me ask you something. Does it look like Paul said, I know you're not really going to like this, and I don't really want to say it, but I, I just really feel like I have to. <laughs> you know, when I come to this text, I, I don't really like this text, and I don't really want to have to tell you this, because I like to focus on God's love. But I kind of have to tell you this. So is that the way that the Apostle Paul brought it? No, he stood up and he said, Sirs, you should have listened to me. That's what he did. People can't get their lives right until they realize their lives are wrong. What is going on with the world? People are making bad decisions based on their own thinking. There is a way that seemeth right to a man and the ends thereof are the ways of death. Don't walk that way. Amen? There's hope in a Christian that'll take a stand. Look at verse 22. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. 
So he's given them the bad news. Now he's going to give them the good news. What's the bad news? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. You're a sinner. You deserve hell. That's the bad news. What's the good news? But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What's the good news? Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Young people, there's something you need to understand. How many of you young people are saved? You know Jesus Christ is your Savior. You're saved. All right? Here's the situation. God will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus Christ will take you to heaven. Isn't that awesome? But if you walk the way that the world walks, you will suffer great loss. You will suffer great loss. Notice that they did not listen to God's man. They did not listen to the word that came from God's man. Here, through God's grace, they're not going to lose their lives, but it's going to cost them everything else. What is it? Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you way more than you ever thought you'd have to pay. But there is still good news. Their, their lives will be saved. So what does this world need to know? This world needs Christians, believers like you and me, to stand up and say, look, if you go down that path, it's going to lead to destruction. Sometimes people will listen to you and be saved there before they have to receive the destruction. Isn't that awesome? That's better, isn't it? That's better. Now, it's interesting. Michael Scott, uh, one of the pastors that was hosting the camp, they have two babies. And uh, uh, Caroline is about five or six now. And Caroline was the perfect child. All right, goes to bed when she's supposed to go to bed, just sweet temperament. And what's so funny is parents who have kids like that, they think that they're fantastic parents. <laughs> then they had Maddie. And Maddie is just the opposite. You know, Caroline may be the child that receives the message the first time. Maddie may be the child that has to hear the message go down the road, receive the spanking, and then receives the message. How many of you have experienced the, those two different temperaments in your own children? Right? How about in your own marriage? <laughs> and it's interesting. And then I think individually, I think all of us, there are times when I heeded the message and didn't go down that road and so didn't suffer the consequences. There are other times when I didn't heed the message and I went down the road, and I have suffered the consequences. Would you all agree with that? Have you been there? And so that's the message that the Apostle Paul is giving. So when we understand there's no hope in the world, when the believer stands up and tells the truth, sometimes it's going to be before the trouble, sometimes it's going to be before the trouble and after the trouble, the message is still the same. There's only hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. So there's hope when a Christian will take a stand. And I've just given you the second point. There's hope in the Lord, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at your text. This is so cool. Look at verse 23. So Paul has told them that there's not going to be loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Then verse 23. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Angel of the Lord, angel of God. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ stood by him. Do you know what the world needs to know? There's not hope in a political system. 
There's not hope in capitalism. There's not hope in communism. There's not hope in democracy. There's not hope in a republic. There's only hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, I'll tell you this. If you have the Lord Jesus Christ and you're a communist, you're really going to mess up because it violates God's laws. If you have the Lord Jesus Christ and you're a biblical capitalist, then life will be good. But a capitalist without Jesus Christ ends up in the same place as the communist. It's called hell. Amen? What was it that Getty said when he died? Just before he died, they said, how much more do you need? He said, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. It will never satisfy. It will never be enough. You will never have enough. Is that right? And yet, when those laws of nature come alongside the person who has believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, now we have Holy Spirit-empowered reality. And life is good. Life is good. Now look, what the world needs is Jesus Christ. Uh, I think it was Erwin Lutzer or John MacArthur. One of them, they wrote a book called "What the Cross Can Do That Polit- What What the Cross Can Do That Politics Can't." Politics cannot change a person's eternal destiny. Amen. And I will say this. Now, you all know that I'm not shy about speaking about politics. And I think that's one of the roles of the pastor is to confront... Good to have you back, Caleb. (laughs) One of the roles of the pastor is to confront the culture, confront the government, help people to understand biblically what's going on in the world. Amen? But if we get away from our mission, if we become a politically active church and not an evangelistic church, we have, been mo- we have moved away from God's plan for this church. Is that right? See, what happens is if you lead someone to Jesus Christ, you get them grounded in the Word of God, they don't have an abortion. Amen? See, that's how you win. If you lead someone to Jesus Christ and you get them grounded in a biblical understanding of personal responsibility, they get off welfare. Jim Mayles there in uh, Scotland, he um, had four young men that he was training for the ministry and they were all on the national dole, welfare. And he had to convince them, they're all in their 20s, he had to convince them to go get jobs. And that culture is so upside down that when they went and got jobs, they took a pay cut. How many of you think that's a good way to destroy your society? You earn more by doing nothing than you do from actual labor. That's a society that's upside down. Isn't that right? And yet, what did those young men do? They went out and they got jobs. Then they were able to get married. Then they were able to support their family and model what a godly man ought to be in the society. Amen? You see, there's hope in a Christian who'll take a stand, and there's hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. What this world needs is not peace. It needs the Prince of Peace. This world wants peace while rejecting the Prince of Peace, and they will accept one who will bring peace, and he's called the Antichrist. So let's stop trying to model our ministry to make it palatable to a world that will not accept the one true God. Let's Preach Jesus Christ to those who will receive. Amen? Amen. There's hope in a Christian who'll take a stand. There's hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And 
Thirdly, there's hope in the changeless Word of God. Look at what it says, verse 23. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Do you know what the hope of the world is? The hope of the world is the Lord Jesus Christ has preached through the Word of God. That is our hope. Do you know this book has answers to every problem that this world faces? There's hope in a Christian who'll take a stand. There's hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's hope in the changeless Word of God. Look at what Paul was relying on. Keep your place in Acts 27, but go to Acts 23. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 10, uh, Acts 23, 10. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and bring him into the castle. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. So the Lord had already told him, you're going to preach the gospel to Caesar at Rome. You're going to do that. Don't worry. Don't worry. Look at what was arrayed against Paul. Look at the next verse. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. These are spiritual giants, aren't they? And they were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. Look at what it says in verse 14. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Uh, Can you imagine people making it their life's mission to kill you? But Paul wasn't worried. You know why? He believed God. He believed God. Do you know that you are indestructible until God's finished with you? If you're walking according to His will. You do what God tells you to do. Philippians 2.13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. There's hope in a Christian who will take a stand. There's hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's hope in the changeless Word of God. Do you know when you confront the culture, they don't need your ideas about politics. When you confront the culture, they need to know what has God said. Now, I've got to tell you, if you, got, you have an opportunity to be interviewed and you quote Scripture, they're going to look at you like you've got three heads. What is your job? To be palatable to the culture or to represent God and His Word in this world? Amen? That is who we are supposed to be. I saw recently that, um, that John MacArthur had been asked about uh, Joel Osteen's message. And he said that it's out of the pit of hell. You know why it's out of the pit of hell? Because it's a positive message of the gospel that leaves out the sin debt that we owe. How many of you think it's popular for MacArthur to say that? Now, you all know there are things that I disagree with on MacArthur. I'm I'm not a Calvinist. But every time he speaks for Christ in the popular culture, he represents us well. That doesn't make him popular, 
But what people need is not popularity. They don't need to have their consciences soothed. They need to have their consciences confronted with the truth of the Word of God. Amen? There's hope for this world. There is hope. There is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's hope in a Christian that will take a stand. And there's hope in the changeless Word of God. My question to you is, do you believe that? We as believers, are we going to engage the culture? Or are we going to step back and just, well, let the ship go. I'm going to heaven, whatever. I'll bet you those other men in the ship were thankful that the Apostle Paul told them the truth. You know, not one life was lost. Not one life was lost. And Paul was able to represent Jesus Christ to them. Later on in the text, when they they had had some food, and Paul stood up and he broke the bread before them, and he thanked God. He thanked God for the food. The Bible says, in front of them all. Who do we thank for the food? We don't thank the farmer. We thank the God who allowed the farmer to grow the food. Amen? So what are we doing? What are we doing? We as believers, if we are going to engage the world, there's only one way to do it. You've got to stand up and speak. But you have to speak the truth. There is hope in the Christian who takes a stand. There's hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's hope in the changeless Word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, so much for your Word.